Hello and welcome to an Ad The Flicks Spooktacular for Halloween. Now, I'm delighted to say we are joined for this extra special show by Horror Queen Kelly. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Hello, Kelly. How are you? <laughs> Hello, I'm good. Thank you for the, the queen part. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. No? Well, we've lost one queen. We've got to have another. Oh, my lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where that was going then. Yeah, okay. Kelly is joining us to give a top five horror film recommendation for you to find and watch as part of your Halloween horror movie marathon. And try saying that when you're drunk. <laughs> and before we get to those titles, Kelly has another treat for you. A Halloween quiz with answers coming at the end of the show. Graham, no cheating by looking up the answers in the meantime. Regular listeners to the show might be wondering where Neil is. Shouldn't he be here for a horror film countdown? Well, listeners, I tried. I told him that we have a selection of films he will love. And with that, he was off, locking himself <laughs> in the cupboard and stairs with just his golf clubs and his signed picture of Liz Trust for company. <laughs> the last mutterings I heard was Hills of Eyes Part 2, and then the door was slammed and locked. <laughs> so, Kelly, I start the show with an apology on behalf of a miserable pensioner who should know better. No problem. <laughs> and at least we still have Graham. We can try your selection out on. Barely hanging on. Before we start the countdown, I believe you've got a little quiz for us. What's it all about? I do like to do a little quiz every now and again. So the first question. Question one. Which classic horror movie was originally titled The Babysitter Murders? I know that one, but I'll be quiet. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Question two. In Carrie, what do the other students dump on Carrie's head at the prom? Question three. What is the name of the camp where Friday the 13th antagonist Jason Voorhees drowns? Question four. Danny Torrance is warned to stay away from which hotel room in Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of The Shining? Question five. Apart from wearing his mother's clothing and things like that, what is Norman Bates's hobby in Psycho? Oh, I know that one as well. Blimey. <laughs> yeah. Psycho's a classic. Yeah, it's very good. I'll do the answers at the end of the show. What an excellent quiz, Kelly. Thank you very much for that. So over to Kelly to hear her top five films for a Halloween movie marathon. What's the first one you've got there? Okay, so first I'm going to go with The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. This is the movie that is just as real. Just as close. Just as terrifying as being there. Very iconic film, and it's influenced a lot, I mean, a lot of other films <laughs> over the years. It's one that kind of love, but also hate. I'll get into why I kind of hate it. <laughs> okay. It's not a nice story for me, anyway. I remember when I was very, very little, I was lucky enough or spoiled enough, I suppose. I was a bit of a brat being the youngest. <laughs> I had a little box TV in my room, awfully small screens now compared to what we get. My mum and dad would go to bed and 
I've always had trouble going to sleep, so I would watch ridiculously horrifying films. It was always on Channel 4, I think. I would turn the volume right down, sit there with my hand hovering over the TV remote, just in case I needed to turn it over because it got too scary. Is this in the dark? Yeah. Oh, baby, yeah, hard... <laughs> Hardcore Kelly. Right, okay. I am the queen. (laughs) So when I was really little, there was this very grainy looking film on TV. It was just at the beginning. The characters were in like a a van traveling somewhere. It just looked really dirty and off. I was probably about seven or eight. And I would have been like, huh, what's this? This isn't a cartoon. I'm going to watch it. And it turned out to be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) So I found it really interesting. I didn't find it scary. I knew that something scary was meant to be happening, but nothing was being shown on screen. Because, you know, in that film, it's all sort of things happen off screen. So when you see, totally forgotten her name, there's a girl, um, she gets lifted onto the meat hook. Do you remember that bit? Yes, I do. But you don't see it happen. They cut away just before she goes onto it. And I always found that really interesting because you don't, see a lot of the (laughs) so-called massacre it's a very misleading title i think for a film called the texas chainsaw massacre you see blood about three times you don't even see franklin in the wheelchair cut with the chainsaw so for a film that was banned for being so over the top and so grotesque i thought it was quite interesting where you don't actually see anything at all (laughs) that was on tv when i was really little yeah, I think I knew I was messed up after that. Let me tell you a little story about this then. So, <laughs> so Texas Chainsaw Massacre was banned in Britain, as you say. Yeah. What happened then is the Greater London Council, the GLC, give it a certificate to be shown in London cinemas only. Yeah. And the censor, James Furman, said, I don't mind middle-class families seeing this, but I wouldn't want a working-class family in Birmingham to watch this film, which I, I find an yeah, astonishing problem. Oh, Fumin was a bastard. And, uh, <laughs> he speaks highly of you as well, Jeff. Uh, uh, I got into a conversation, name dropping now, I got into a conversation with Mark Komodo about him because Komodo had mentioned to me that he'd met him and I, I, I was just stunned by the fact that anybody would meet him and want to talk about him. Anyway, so when I started work towards the end of the 70s, one of the, the first things I got was a Super 8 projector, the video machines of the day. My parents are away. So me and a couple of friends, actually, you could rent it. So because it was for private screening, you could rent the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So one Sunday morning, like I sealed up the house so only a couple of people could get in. And we sat there in the dark watching this film. But on what Kelly says, you don't see anything. But watching it that first time, I swear to Christ, that guy in the wheelchair, intestines are flying everywhere and all sorts <laughs> of things. And nothing was. It, it's just so brilliantly put together. So there, there was a whole group of us. Um, and one of the guys that was with me is a chap called Nigel Shepherd, who's now a designer, he got his own um, place up in Oxford. And he was petrified come the end of the film. Absolutely terrified. But everything you say is right. You think you see so much. And the only bit of blood I can remember in that film is when he cuts his hand in the beginning the in the car. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty uh, much all you see, really. But I think when I was like under 10, 
shouldn't have been watching them I know <laughs> my parents aren't bad parents I was just very sneaky and would pretend to be asleep I was just a very naughty child <laughs> but when I was under 10 I was very curious then when I was a teenager I was very into sort of the more extreme stuff but I'll get into that again a bit later um, and now I appreciate all subgenres of horror but there are some specific ones that really are close to my heart now I've got a question for you, if you don't yes. mind. Yeah. Are you sort of more of a fan of the classic horrors or do you seek out the sort of stuff on the fringes more than the classics? <laughs> it depends on what you say, classic. I mean, because there's... Well, Texas like, Chainsaw is a classic, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, but then I'm talking about like, you know, the creature features and things and classic classics like Universal Monsters from years and yeah. years and years ago. I'm not massively knowledgeable about those ones but things from like the 60s and 70s are probably like my jam <laughs> uh 80s i love a stupid 80s slasher like that is just it's just a lot of fun 90s i think after scream came out things started picking up again and for the last 20 years or so it's been a mixture i think recently some really really good ones have been coming up I have another question for you, if you don't mind. What was the first horror film you saw in the cinema? Um, the first horror film I saw in the cinema, it was rated 15. I don't know how many American listeners you get, because we obviously have a different system here. Thousands. Yeah, oh, okay. thousands. So for a film that was rated 15, shh, don't tell anyone, but my mother snuck me into a film when i was 14 right i'm just going on to the yep. child protection agency yes also letting me watch texas chainsaw massacre when i'm like seven, seven. so many red flags coming up here mother like <laughs> um so i went to see the grudge remake okay yeah i didn't know of the japanese original juan i knew yeah. i knew of Ringu. i think that's the Japanese yep. one, yeah, the ring. because yeah. that was also on Channel Four really late one night when I was really little, and when she started coming out of the well, Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> <laughs> I was like nine. <laughs> yeah, I, I turned that one off. I went to see The Grudge with my mum. Have you seen that one? Because it, it's got Michelle Buffy Geller. in it. Yeah, yeah. Sarah yeah. Michelle Gellar. Yeah, and I hate it when she's in horror films because. You know she can kick so much ass as a vampire slayer, but when she's in a horror film, she's bloody useless. She was my idol growing up. Again, the very first airing of Buffy, it was in 1997 in the UK, I think. So I would have been six. That was on Sky then, wasn't it, originally? It, it was originally on BBC Two. Then it went to like BBC One, and then it went to Sky. So I've still got all the VHS box sets of it. <laughs> she was like my life. So seeing her die in all these stupid horror films really, really pissed me off. But yeah, so I went to go and see The Grudge. And then um, there's that bit where the girl is escaping to her apartment and she gets under the bed um, covers and the ghost appears from under like her bed covers. It's in the bed with her. I don't think I slept for two weeks. <laughs> one night I um I felt something like some something touched I, I swear something touched my foot one night and I jumped and I literally fell out of my bed because I was like oh my god it's, it's here when I got out of the cinema my mum was like Cal you look a bit 
you look like you're seeing a ghost. And I was like, yeah. oh, no shit, mother. Jeez. <laughs> like, uh, Mum jokes, yeah. They're like dad jokes, only a little harder. Uh, yeah. So but, going back to Texas. Yeah, there was the, you know, the dinner table sequence at the very end? Yes. That yeah. is something that I really, really admire all the cast for because I think they got put through the ringer there a bit. Um, mm. It's Texas heat. They had to keep recording over and over and over again this traumatic sequence with Sally tied to the chair, just being tormented by this really sadistic family. You could see it in her eyes. At the very beginning of the opening of the film, it strikes me because you've got all the photography, the cameras go in with that, and then you've got the shots of rotten flesh. Yeah, the, the rotten flesh is just so... I don't think I've ever seen a film where I can almost smell it through the screen. Like, Ugh, you, you, can, that, you can sort of, yeah. like, like imagine, like, the, the steam coming from the flesh in that heat and what it would smell like, and that... Is very, very, very powerful at the start of a film. <laughs> I don't know. For a film that doesn't really show a lot, it does <laughs> in your head. And that's a big yes. thing of mine that I really like. The bad thing I was going to talk about, I'll just get into that really quickly. Um, have you been to the Prince Charles Cinema in Leicester Square? I've only ever walked past it. I've never been in it. Oh, it's, it's awesome. I was only there the other week. Um watching a marathon of Scream, one, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> it started in the afternoon. Usually their marathons start at about nine at night and you don't get out until about eight in the morning. Oh, my God. It was horrible doing that. But um, I went to one once. It was a classic horror film marathon. It showed Halloween, Alien, the Exorcist, oh my God, The Exorcist in the cinema. The sound design was insane. I was terrified. <laughs> and I'd already seen it a bunch of times. They did A Nightmare on Elm Street, which I really thought they should have done at the end because, you know, the the, the score is kind of like dreamlike. But mm. they didn't want to send anyone to sleep because after that they put The Shining on. And the last film at half six in the morning was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which mostly just includes a lot of screaming. And I'm pretty sure they cranked the volume up for that one to make sure that we all stayed awake because I couldn't watch it for about five years after that. <laughs> I was like, I really love this film. I've got a massive poster of it on my wall. I don't want to watch you ever again. Whoever thought to turn the volume up, I hope... They're happy with themselves. Clearly they are, because it made an impression. Oh, yeah. Have you seen it, Graham? Uh, no, strangely enough, no. Would you watch uh, it after this discussion? No, of course not. Kelly's scared the life out of me just talking it's, about meat hanging up on... If you're young, I think you'll be like, this is boring, nothing's happening, it's crap. But when you're older, you're like, I know what's happening. This is why it's happening. This family is doing this for a reason. The sequels are just... The second one is quite funny, actually. It's completely different to the first one. Yeah, Dennis Hopper. But I don't really 
have any suggestions for anything like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like in a list form. But we did have a film earlier this year that came out. It's a Thai West film called X. We, we were talking about that earlier, Graham. Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah. So that is set in the 70s. It's about a bunch of youngins going off to shoot a, a little porno. The setting, I think they did really well with that. It did look not grainy like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I actually really enjoyed X. It was kind of weird watching it in the cinema by myself because there is a specific scene that really made me like sort of look at the floor and be like, I feel really weird being the only person here that is alone and watching this, if you know what bit I mean. There's a couple of bits that spring to mind. To I mean, the old couple. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Right. I was sat okay. there yeah, by no. myself yeah. in the cinema watching a film about a 70s adult film being made, and I was like, do I look like a pervert? But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all right, Graham. They're about your age, should have been fine. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, so it's got, it's got Mia, Mia Goth in it, yes. and uh, Jenna yeah. Ortega, it's, yes. So, um, Jenna yeah. Ortega is uh, she's also in Scream 5 and in the upcoming Scream 6. Yeah, she's. I think she's going to kill it as Wednesday. I think it looks really fun in a morbid way, obviously. Mia Goff, I've, I'd only ever seen her in Suspiria, the remake. She is also, you know, there's Pearl out now as well. And then they've just released a teaser for a third film. So they've done a trilogy of this whole thing. It's called Maxine, but <laughs> it's Max XXX. This will be a follow-up from the ending of X. So that was in the 70s. And then this one will be set in Hollywood in 1985. I love an 80s film and like a synth score and things like that. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> definitely. No, no, definitely. It's a great start. What's next on your list? The Blair Witch Project. And it's all because of me that we're here now. <laughs> Hungry cold and hunted just want to apologize to mike's mom and josh's mom and my mom tell me where you are josh this is a very marmite one if people ask me what is the scariest film i've ever seen and i say the blair witch project they laugh all the time and I'm like, I like can't be some slack, man. Like, <laughs> we were all into different things. I don't care much for jump scares and things like that. Like, it will get you like, oh, okay, all right, okay, I've calmed down now. Heart attack isn't happening. Five seconds, you're fine. Things like the Blair Witch Project will get into your head and stick with you, and it keeps you up at night. Well, for me, anyway. So. I don't know about anyone else, but... Um, I've got a little story for you on the Blair Witch Project, if you got one. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> so at the time it came out, I was in the middle of getting divorced, and I was staying with some friends. So I was staying with Gary and Louise. I'd got hold of the DVD. I'd seen it in the cinema. I thought I quite enjoyed it. And I thought, well, Gary had seen it. I thought, this would be a laugh, right? 
what if I put the documentary on first and we convince Louise, who never watches films, that this is a true story, right? So we put the documentary on, then we put the film on. And she she bought it completely, the whole thing. And she was saying, I can't believe they allowed this to be released. This is disgusting. People are dying here. How can they put this out? And at the end of it, you know, when they get that, she said, my heart is really beating. I can't, I, I'm going to have to leave the room. And it was at that point that we had to tell her it was actually just fake. <laughs> she never forgive me for that. I mean, when they were doing the Blair Witch, so that, yeah, for those that don't know, and I can't believe anybody listening to the show doesn't know the Blair Witch Project unless Neil's listening to it. It's these people going off looking for the Blair Witch. And uh, am I right in saying they did things to them in the film that they didn't know were happening to them at night? The actors were genuinely being scared as part of the filming? I don't know about that, actually, but I do know <laughs> that I read recently that the mother of Heather, the girl that was in the film, she used to get cards and flowers sent to her house to be like, I'm so sorry that your daughter disappeared and died and blah, 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 well, blah. Because, because they, it was Heather Donahue, Mike no. and Josh, I don't know their surnames, but they used their real names of completely non-actors to make it more realistic. The marketing was just genius. Because, you know, in 1999, the internet wasn't really like a massive thing back then. So people just completely bought it. And you wouldn't be able to do it now. I think it's one of those things you could only do in one time yeah. frame. And they nailed it. And that's why it's so iconic now. Just throwing a spoiler alert in on this. What do you make of the end of the film? The end of the film is there was a really popular theory um, do you remember IMDb used to have forums? Yeah. yeah. I miss those days. <laughs> there was this massive thread on the Blair Witch page, a really big theory that basically the boys lured her out there, pranked her and killed her. It was all just a big prank. And I was like, that's actually pretty, that's a pretty good theory. But no, I do think that there was something in those woods because they kept circling and circling and circling for ages remember they're like all completely losing their minds they get lost but they keep coming back to the same bit over and over again i don't think the boys could have done that <laughs> to um to manipulate her in any way do you remember at the very beginning of the film you see them interviewing people and then there was like different accounts from different people saying you know um oh the witch is covered in hair like fur it looks like a horse it would take children and make one stand in the corner and look at the wall where it killed another and then it would be their turn and things like that and the very ending you see heather go over in, and he's standing yeah. looking at the wall the corner. <laughs> yeah there are some noises when she's running to him it sounds like a neighing like a, of a horse Oh, okay. I have um, to go back and watch this again. There's also another one where a lady is with a baby, and when she starts talking about her opinion about the witch, the baby just keeps crying and keeps saying, no, no, which is really creepy. <laughs> and there's another one that says that this is one I get in my head a lot of the time when I'm trying to sleep, when I do turn the light off, when I'm not feeling too scared. And then I get scared again. <laughs> the lady, she has no eyes. 
and she isn't walking but she's levitating and coming towards you and i thought that was really 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 creepy and that stuck with me ever since <laughs> have you seen it graham no <laughs> on earth. no the bit this gives me also just as much as the ending the ending's iconic it's when they're in their camp tent one night you know the iconic bit where she gets the the camera and she's looking into it and she's getting all snotty and like yeah like, running down her nose yeah, yeah. great so yeah. <laughs> just before that the camera's rolling and she wakes up because there's rattling outside the tent i didn't realize it at first like you have to really 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 turn the volume up outside the tent you hear children laughing and playing and saying things like oh go over there <laughs> and then you hear something else that says come over here and then you hear like the giggling end and things like that there's something Jesus. out there <laughs> you've taken this film to a whole other level for me on stuff oh, like you, you oh, have God. to really really listen to the tent scene just before it starts shaking um the tents start shaking and that's when they run out and they all like head in different directions but just before that you hear ha 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 and come over here let's play i don't like it well, <laughs> we, uh, you're not alone I, on that one I, which, I think we've lost graham for watching this now <laughs> yeah which really annoys me because in the second film the second film is completely off topic um it's nothing to do with the first film really but third one they actually show what the witch is and it's basically like this really tall tree which yeah. really yeah. pissed me off because i was like you didn't have to show it you didn't have to make the film for starters and two you've just completely ruined everything in my head because in my head it could be anything it could be a horse it could be an old woman it could be yeah anything and then I they put an actual picture to it and yeah, i was no, like I, why did you do <laughs> I, I didn't like two and th two or three to be honest but um for, for quick lists of found footage films they're i think probably like my third subgenre of horror films there's one called lake mungo which i always suggest it's not never heard of that one not scary graham <laughs> there is one Little... I don't believe a word of either you and Jeff saying about this. I've it's... been caught too many times. Oh, watch, watch The Legend of Hill House. Go on, that's a great thriller, I think Jeff told me it was. It's a like a, a mockumentary. If you sit there and no one tells you it's a mockumentary, you would sit there and be like, this is, it's just a really tragic story of a family talking about their daughter or sister that had passed away. There's like all sorts going on, but it's it's mostly just really harrowing. There is one specific bit that gets to people, but and it, there you go. <laughs> but it it it's literally five seconds, and it oh, adds to the whole tragic tale of what actually happened. And it's just a really like haunting film. It is a horror, but not. I don't know. It's not even a thriller or psychological, or it's just a. It's just a film. <laughs> IMDb, they describe it as strange things start happening after a girl is found drowned in a lake. Yeah. 
that's it. That's all you need to know. You go in. Okay. It's mostly like her family, like accounting in interviews of like, this is what she was like. This is what happened, blah, blah, blah. But um, I always recommend that one. Uh, there's also obviously the Spanish Wreck. Oh, yeah. Series. Yeah. The first one is whew, the ending. <laughs> um, they remade that in America, didn't they? Yeah, it was Quarantine, I think. Yes. So, they yeah. always have to remake everything, don't they? They've just remade a um, Good Night Mommy with okay. Naomi Watts. Even the original wasn't that good. <laughs> so okay. the twi- I could see the twist coming a mile off, so I don't know why they bothered. But there's other ones like I always hated um, Most Haunted, that TV show, because you never, ever see anything happen. But in this film, Grave Encounters and the sequel it's like the, the episode of most haunted you've always wanted to watch because everything happens in it hang on is is most haunted one of those reality TV? yeah it's that Derek akora guy is and yeah. they go looking for ghosts yeah and nothing and ever happens well, you, yeah, surprise, surprise. You, you'd love this, Graham. I just read in the synopsis of Grave Encounters. I'd watch this with you, Graham. For their ghost hunting reality show, a production crew lock themselves inside an abandoned mental hospital that's supposedly haunted, and it might prove to be all too true. No, thank you. It's, oh, it's actually like... Um, Quite funny. Huh? It, it is funny because in the film, the production crew know that it's all bullshit. They're like, we know nothing's going to happen, but we're going to like, you know, make a few curtains move and make some spooky sounds. But then they lock themselves in. <laughs> yeah, they 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 regret that at the end. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> then we've got Creep. There's a film where a girl is on the underground. In the underground, not that one. The weird yeah. like oh. knockoff Gollum weirdo person that kills everyone this is mark okay. duplass i think his name is it's another yes. found footage um it's one it. and two at the moment he basically pays people to film him walking around just being weird really i don't i don't actually know how else to describe it but i'll, I'll read out what that. imdb says <laughs> so yeah, yeah this is a young videographer answers an online ad for a one-day job in a remote town to record the last messages of a dying man. When he notices the man's odd behaviour, he starts to question his intentions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the ending of that one, I was literally like, I nearly fell off the end of the bed because I was like, please stop. Like, what are you doing? Stop being an idiot. Run away and things like that. But... Oh, I don't. I don't know what else to mention. There are so many. I think you pronounce it the Poughkeepsie tapes. Graham, you will hate that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, no. it got I'm me. The... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's rather realistic. It's it's about a killer um, documenting everything that he's doing. Um, to oh great, there are some um, scenes in that that are not very nice. In an abandoned house in Poughkeepsie, New York, uh, which is referencing the French Connection, reminds, yes. reminds me of now. Yeah, an abandoned house. And New York murder investigators uncover hundreds of tapes showing decades of a serial killer's work. Yeah. Well, everybody needs a hobby. Some of those tapes aren't very nice. <laughs> During COVID, there was a really good film that came out. Um, 
I really admire them for this because considering we're all in lockdown, all they could do was what they could. It's mostly filmed in front of laptops and things like that. It's called Host. It's not. Oh the, yes, but Darren's dash. This was. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we done this. Yeah, he, he thought it was brilliant. Yeah, with what they had, they did really well. Darren <laughs> spoke highly of this one. Yeah. Yes, Darren. Darren said there's one scene where there's a girl sitting looking at the video screen and something moves behind her. He said he nearly leapt out of his skin. There was one bit where um, a girl takes her laptop up into her attic. <laughs> And she's moving, As you do. and she's moving the laptop around because she doesn't want to go up there. So she puts the laptop up there, and the camera is showing what she should be seeing, and the other people see it, and we see it. And you just see a pair of legs hanging, and that bit, I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> it's so quick because she's spinning the camera, but yeah, other than that. Blair Witch is classic, the template, as you say. But if you've seen Blair Witch and you want something different, I think there's you've given them enough choice there, Cal. Mm-hmm. Next film, then. Number three. Okay, so number three is my third favourite film of all time. 1978, Halloween. When I was a lot younger, I thought it was boring. I don't, I don't know what was wrong with. <sighs> Some films are like fine wine, though, aren't they? They take yes. the time to work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a slow burn, and me now appreciate slow burns and psychological things more than straight in your face gore. Like I'm not really a big fan of gore anymore. When I was about eighteen, nineteen, I was a gore whore, sore, hostile. I'll sit there and watch those now, but I would like a story. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. there was a long time where I actually thought that... Um, have you seen Black Christmas? Uh, which one? There's a number of them. There's I saw the first one back in 74. Yeah, so 1974 Black Christmas. I loved that film. I absolutely loved that film. But a lot of people compare it with Halloween as well because, you know, they're holiday films, they're 70s films, they're slasher films. Which one's better? Okay. I've got a Black Christmas story for you if you want it. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> my mate Paul, when I was growing up, who was the ultimate in horror movies when I was in my teenage years, he knew everything there was to know. Paul went off with a couple of friends to watch Black Christmas. I think it was – we didn't see it on first release. It was a double bill or something back then. They had in the 70s, a double bills and everything. They're watching the film. At the end, they say to, to the woman, get out the house because the killer's in the house. And she goes to the door and stops and then starts going back up the stairs like you would, Graham, you know. <laughs> and and there's this tension. You could hear a pin drop in the cinema, the way Paul described it. And then one of his mates leant forward and shouts at the top of his voice, get out the f***ing house now! <laughs> <laughs> he was it's so amazing. into it. So into the film, but yeah. The thing I really like about Black Christmas is it's very ambiguous because I didn't realise until a few years ago, a friend of mine mentioned, because I was like, oh, yeah, Jess in the in the film. She survived. Oh, my God. And he's like, but did she? And I'm like, what? Because 
At the very end of the film, she's laying in bed. The police officers are all outside thinking that they've caught the killer. And the police just leave her to peacefully sleep in bed and they all go outside and it's like, why would you do that? But also, the phone starts ringing. You know when the end credits are rolling? It's just the phone ringing the entire time, but nobody picks it up. But if you notice in the film, every time they answer a call, immediately after that, someone will get killed. So the, the film ends ah, with you right, not knowing okay. if she picks up the phone or not. Yeah. But yeah, so so you're talking about Halloween. I mean, I again, I saw it on first release. So, so Halloween opened in the States for Halloween 1978. The audiences loved it. For a time, the most successful independent film ever made. Needless to say, we then get it in, oh, May. It was May or June in 79 that I saw it. <laughs> Good time for and a Halloween film. So... Now, this is one Graham scene, so we yeah. know this. So, And obviously the whole thing, as the film progresses, you you think Michael Myers is human. You realise later on that he's not quite human, what he is, you know, never sure. You think they kill him and he keeps coming back. Well, the audience I saw him with, half, and I was in that half, really bought into this, could see where Carpenter was going. And the other half of the audience were in hysterics. <laughs> they just didn't go with it at all. They just thought it was stupid. Yeah, so it, it was quite an odd viewing experience first time, but I do love the film. I wish with all these I could just go back in time and see these on opening nights in different cinemas and see the reactions of people. You'd have got annoyed in that screening, like, I'm sure you <laughs> Yeah. When I first watched Halloween, I thought it was boring, so I might have been one of the annoying crowd. <laughs> back then, that's how you would construct a horror film. You would build the characters up, and then you would start with the killing. So you'd have a little bit at the beginning, which is his sister getting killed. Yeah. Then it would paste so you got the characters. And how many times does PJ Soul use the word totally? Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> well that is brilliant. <laughs> and then so you've got to know those characters. So when he starts killing, you're there with them. You understand who they are. And, yeah. Oh, it's tremendous. Love it. I've never um really been scared of, you know, like the boogeyman or anything. I watch a lot of true crime stuff. Um, so I know that there's horrible people out there, but Michael Myers has never really scared me much because I don't really, as he said, like, I don't exactly know what he is because we've had so many different variations of him now. There was the one where obviously Laurie is his sister then there was like the whole cult thing going on. Then we had the Rob Zombie films. I appreciate that he tried to do something different. The younger Michael that he created to give a backstory of why he became the way he was, was okay, but I don't think we needed it. I think Michael Myers is a lot scarier as the six-year-old where you get his POV, kills his sister. You have no idea what happened in his life before that. He just snapped one day when he was six years old. And that's scarier than yeah. having a yeah, whole backstory. It's, it's, it's an old-fashioned spook story. It'd be the Halloween would be the type of story you tell around a campfire with friends yeah. or something like that just to scare the crap out of them. What, what I... Interested in your take on the Rob Zombie ones, though, is it almost tried to tell the story between the cracks. This is, 
you know, this is John Carpenter's Halloween. Well, the bits you don't see, that's what Rob Zombie seemed to focus in on. And that's what I found intriguing about the film. I'm one of those people that I appreciate Rob Zombie for what he does, like with his films, but they're all very samey in the way that they're all very sweary, very ultra violent and things like that. I like the first half. The second half, it's way too violent for me. Um, I don't feel like original Michael would be that brutal because there are so many different Michaels now. <laughs> but again, I'd like to take your point on that about you wouldn't think Michael would do that. And I remember watching Halloween Kills, and I know it, they've taken it in a different direction. And it's so when violent. He kills that, yeah, when he kills that couple and he stabs the woman in the neck with a fluorescent tube oh. and then he's slowly killing her husband and i'm thinking that's just torture now michael myers just kills he doesn't so do that in halloween kills i said earlier again i think when we were talking before i was saying there was a lot of head bashing into the walls and things like that yeah it's like throwing people around but that bit with the tube and you see the blood curdling up into it she's watching her husband get killed it seemed to me there like michael's pissed off <laughs> because um he went to kill laurie and now she's got a mother and a granddaughter totally kicked his ass <laughs> so now i think in this 20 minute filler of a two-hour film he's really angry so he goes into that couple's house and um he's getting di various different knives from that kitchen mm. and he's stabbing that old man in the kitchen with different ones until he finds the one he really likes yeah um, but it's just but if you go back to the michael myers of the first film he just he wouldn't have done anything he, like he doesn't that. do that no i think he's just really angry now because he really 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 went very overboard i mean um what was it like four people he killed about four people in the first one and then in 18 i think he killed oh, oh god no so i lost i lost track i lost track but in kills i've only seen it once because i really didn't like it very much but it goes way over like 30 oh, goodness. so well, you've seen it graham you can't even turn around and say you haven't watched it you've seen both it, of them the, yeah i have seen both of them yeah it, it became became a bit um samey i really hope in ends that laurie strode gets an ending like a nice ending because what it's been 40 years now she literally just she deserves it she literally was just some kid in school that happened to cross paths with this psychopath and without the sister element to it she's been living in fear for 40 years and trailing yeah. herself up to kill him one day she can't have friends family relationships anything because they'll probably get killed so it's not a life to live is it in, in michael's defense laurie strode's dad is a, a state agent so yeah all's forgiven all's forgiven <laughs> what they call them in america realtors yeah. real estate and he's trying to sell michael's family home so, you know, in, in his defence. I'm not sure. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> Okay, then. I want one final thing on Halloween before we move on to the next one. What do you think of John Carpenter's music? Oh, my gosh. Yes. I have the 2018 
score, soundtrack, whatever on vinyl. I thought the 2018 one was really good. I like synth music as well. So there's a lot of really good pieces with that and very striking moments. So when they did a like an updated version of the Halloween thing, I was very, very, very happy with that one. I listened to it a lot. A lot of the time when it's dark and I'm outside with my earbuds in and I'm walking to the shop, it just makes Listening you walk a bit Halloween faster. Music. Makes yeah, you walk I'm a bit faster. Because, <laughs> you know, look around, there might be someone there. Quickly get to the shop, get home, put some spooky music on, bam, you're down. <laughs> I'm a risk right. taker. <laughs> you certainly are. God almighty. <laughs> um, right. So that was Halloween. What's next on the list? Okay, so second to last is it's basically a slasher film, but not Jaws. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine it will attack and devour anything it is as if God created the devil and gave him Jaws (laughs) Jaws thank you great yeah it is kind of like a slasher film I think yeah yeah, you've got this, this thing Going around, threatening people, stalking people, and then one day it will just go crunch, basically. So <laughs> I've always thought Alien is kind of like that on the um, spaceship. No, I see where you're coming from, yeah. yeah. I always thought Alien and Terminator are kind of the same in the aspect of it's like horror slash sci fi. But yeah. Aliens and Terminator 2 are sci-fi slash action Mm. yeah yeah but jaws is just a straight up slasher horror (laughs) and he got a pg or an a certificate back then a pg certificate today was it really astonishing really it was an a certificate yeah Ah. this is where spielberg was really clever so Mm. i mentioned james Furman earlier and spielberg befriended Furman, so he managed to get things through so you know i mean you had jaws was a pg raiders of the lost ark was a pg um, and in fact, Raiders Channel 4 showed it recently and cut the hell out of it. I think they got away with Indiana. No, they got away with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, but they did do cuts to that film, um, which have now been restored. But yeah, Jaws got, was, a, was an A certificate. I had to queue up two hours for that film when it <laughs> yep. first came out. Really? Yeah. Uh. So, so my little Jaws story for you. Sorry, I'm taking over your show. I do apologize. No, honestly, um, I love it. So Jaws opened in May 1975 in America. Wasn't scheduled for a year. All through that summer, we had, you know, I was in school as well, and we had all these yeah. reports. This film was busting records. You know, everybody wants to see Jaws. It's amazing. Yeah. And we did another bloody film. We had all these reports about it. I got the soundtrack, John Williams' soundtrack album, in, I think, think it was september october so we got the soundtrack out and still no film christmas time it opens in three cinemas in london i remember reading about that christmas yeah yeah Yeah. three cinemas in london 
it comes to Cardiff, which is the nearest big city to where I was, at the end of January, beginning of February 1976. So we did a school trip on a Saturday, a whole group of us down there, massive queue, relays for food, drink, toilet, etc., um, to get into the cinema to watch this film. Incredible. And it was a 2,000-seater cinema. The atmosphere was electric in there. Brilliant. Yeah, I've got, I've got a very similar story. I, I took my girlfriend to see it, uh, who later became my wife, so it's a pretty good film for me. But, <laughs> um, yeah, we went to see it. The atmosphere was tremendous. And in this cinema where we saw it, at the very back of the cinema, there was like a wooden wall behind you. And when the head drops <laughs> out of the boat... <laughs> Everybody went, <laughs> and from the back of the room, all we heard was, dum, 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 dum. <laughs> people hit their heads off the back wall as they jumped out of their seats. Yeah, great, great. And then everybody fell about laughing. But yeah, it was a phenomenal. Film. I've, um, brilliant. I've only seen it once in the cinema. It was a, at the Prince Charles Cinema again. It was a double feature of Jurassic Park and Jaws. So okay. that was great. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I've seen Jaws a hundred times, but when the head comes out, <laughs> yeah. I still jumped. Quiz question for you then. What part did Peter Benchley play in Jaws? He was a news reporter on the beach. He was indeed. Whoa. Yeah. How good am I? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, it's one of my favourite films, yeah. It's my second yeah. favourite film, yeah. The scariest part for me is I can't, remember what he's actually called i don't think he has a name bless him but it's when the shark turns like sort of sideways when you first see it properly for the first time a man is like trying to shout out to the kids like hey you all right and the the shark knocks him off his little it's like a little red like a little mm -hmm. red boat thing yeah but yeah yes. that's the scariest shot for me everyone's always like you know when you see the shark come out the water but um the best bit of the film has to be Quint with his speech. Yeah. That so iconic. Um, I think the Indianapolis speech. Yeah. Yes. I think Robert Shaw was actually drunk at the time when Most he was of the telling time. it. Yeah. Most, yeah. He <laughs> him and drunk a lot of the time. Him and Richard Dreyfus apparently like absolutely hated each other. So yes. any animosity you see between them in the film is actually quite genuine. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Did you know there was a play in London recently written by Robert Shaw's son about the relationship between the two? No. I, thanks to bloody COVID, I couldn't get there to see it. I think it's called You're Going to Need a Bigger Boat or something like that. <laughs> Tell you now, bear with me. The shark is broken. So it was on in London. I just couldn't get there. So I'm hoping. Yeah, that was. And it's a stage play about the events. It's about the relationship. As Kelly was saying, they really didn't like each other. Well, uh, Shaw didn't like Dreyfus to yeah. the extent, <laughs> yeah, to to the extent that Robert Shaw's son, who plays Robert Shaw in the in the in the play, went for an audition. The person checking the auditions, one of the main actors, was Richard Dreyfus, and Dreyfus wouldn't let him have the part. <laughs> <laughs> that is a man who bears a grudge. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so watch that. A play called The Shark is Broken. If that's coming back to London, I'm definitely going to go see it this time. I'll have to check that out. That sounds interesting. Because I always found it quite um, amusing that it, it was definitely Robert Shaw that definitely didn't like Dreyfus. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. The thing that I found the scariest was 
the fact that the shark played the cello. That <laughs> that at, at, when we first saw it, it just every time that note hit, <laughs> you know, and it's you strange. know what's happening. Christ Almighty, Graham, you're trying to do my eardrums in. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. It's just such an iconic film, and I know Spielberg has said, like, as long as he's alive, he's not letting anyone touch it. Well, I mean, why no. would you want to remake Jaws? It, no, it's 1975 no. and nothing has beaten it since. And all the sequels are rubbish. The famous story is, obviously, he hired John Williams because they got on really well when they worked on the Sugarland Express. Yep. So he hired him to do the music. And he said, right, come around, play me the, play me the theme you've got. And he played the two-note theme. And Spielberg <laughs> said, look, stop pissing about. Play the real theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it literally is two notes, isn't it? So, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. William's genius, yeah. yeah. That is so uh, mad. I've never even thought yeah. about it like that before. Yeah. <laughs> At the top of his game, that man was. Yeah, there. yeah. So for other shark films, I was going to suggest like uh, Jaws is yeah. always going to be number one. You can't even doubt mm-hmm. that. But the second one, people probably laugh at me for, but I don't care because I find it funny. But it's Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> Deep Blue Sea's all right. That bit where um, Samuel L. Jackson leaves the film is always quite shocking. That oh, it's it's always the same in those films though. They always do the big "I'm not gonna die, I'm gonna live, and you're all gonna die, and I'm gonna get away," and then bang, they die. It's always yeah. so predictable when they do that. <laughs> Deep Blue Sea, I think, is actually pretty entertaining. It's stupid, but <laughs> yeah. For like, so there's been two sequels since then as well. A lot of people are always like, "Really? There was even a second one, and now there's a third? But, yeah, don't don't bother. <laughs> First one is Mako Sharks. The second one is Bull Sharks. And the third one is, like, some weird mesh of the two. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, where? Um, okay. The, my third favourite is called Bait 3D. You have to trust me. If you go for it, it is pretty damn good, but do not be put off by the opening scene. The CGI is absolute bollocks. It looks so bad that you want to turn it off. Right, okay. uh, So you're going to sell this to me then. I'm going to be interested in this. A freak tsunami traps shoppers at a coastal Australian supermarket inside the building along with 12-foot great white sharks. Yeah, honestly. In the the shop. In the shop. Honestly. Clean up an aisle four. (laughs) You know when you've got the big like fridges and fridge freezer things in supermarkets? They're all like trying to stay safe on the top of those while the water's rising and yeah like casually some sharks just appear so. 12 <laughs> well, foot great whites I'm, I'm, I'm not joking it's actually pretty de- damn decent <laughs> okay I'm going to take your word for it and check that out I mean the advertising slogan bait come into a store near you that's <laughs> the advertising <laughs> You can laugh all you want. Anyone? No, I've no, I'm going to try it? it out now. I'm going to check it out now. I'm going to check it out. Anyone I've made yeah. watch it, they're, they're like, oh, it's actually not as bad as I thought it would be. But um, Actually, yeah, I'm just looking at who one of the writers. One of the writers is Russell Mulcahy, director, of course, of Highlander. The beginning is pretty bad, but the sharks, when they're in the supermarket, they actually look pretty good, more realistic. And also, I couldn't find a fifth 
favorite that I liked. But my fourth is The Shallows from 2014 with Blake Lively. I've seen is that Blake Lively in that one? Yeah, Blake Lively. And yeah. A Seagull. <laughs> Blake Lively and A Seagull. That, that's okay. pretty much it. She's all by herself in that, isn't she? And apart from a rotten, like, blue whale corpse, I think. Okay. Well. Yeah. Um, you haven't mentioned The Meg. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> I thought I was going to see Jason Statham beat up a megalodon, you know, like punch <laughs> it in the nose and stuff like that. Okay, right. okay. I half expected it to happen, you know, like his tiny fist <laughs> just <laughs> pop it on the nose, but it never happens. So there's a sequel coming. There is a sequel coming, yeah. yeah. Is, is it got um, Jason Statham? Because if it is, like, pff, sod him, I don't like it. He let me down, man. Really let me down. <laughs> thing about setting your expectations, yeah. Well, one of my favourite films that isn't a horror is Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, I, I like Jason Statham and films like that. So I was like, yeah, him versus a megalodon. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he is in it. Meg to the trend. She's just finished filming that and The Expendables 4. And the last one I was going to say is Ghost Shark. Worst five pound I've ever spent in Tesco. Okay. Basically, a shark gets killed and gets angry about it, and the spirit of the shark goes on a revenge spree. So the shark. How on earth did that get made? I don't know. Because when you say the pitch, it sounds stupid. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So because it isn't an actual physical shark, it's a spirit of a shark. It will appear in any way it can that includes water. So there's this bit with these girls in bikinis doing like a car wash service. And because there's a bucket of water, one of the girls puts the sponge in the water and it she gets dragged through the bucket. All you see basically is blood coming out from the bucket and just her legs dangling out afterwards. There's also... So <laughs> there's also moving on one more <laughs> so bit one more bit there's a guy he's at work and he goes to the coffee machine um, and the water comes through <laughs> into the cup and he drinks it he drinks the water and he basically like explodes from the inside because the shark is inside him oh, Jesus. so oh, we started this section of the show with jaws classic <laughs> And we've ended with Ghost Shark. Yeah. Fantastic, eh? Don't, don't spend £5 on it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I wouldn't watch it if they paid me £5. <laughs> um, okay, what's number one? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that one. Quickly, <laughs> <laughs> um, please. Yeah. Okay, so number one, obviously, is going to be Scream. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules. That one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. The opening sequence is my favourite opening sequence of all time. Graham, have you seen Scream? No. Okay. Def definitely not. What? 
what, how, how? It's, it's not a horror film, so who done it? Oh, right, yeah. Ah, oh, okay, right, well. <laughs> you know I said earlier about being seven or eight with Texas Chainsaw Massacre? This all started because of Scream. Six right. years old. It came out in 1996. In 1997, my brother had it on VHS. One night, yeah. I was very, very, very thirsty. I went downstairs. So I went into the living room where my brother was watching something in the dark. So he would have been 17. Okay. He paused the VHS he was watching and was like, what are you doing down here? It's really late. And I was like, Glenn, can you, can you open this? drink for me so I can make some squash and he was like okay fine so he did and I, I looked at the VHS tape um, cover and I was like what's this he was like none of your business go upstairs and I was like are you watching something you shouldn't be watching and he's just like no go go to bed I promise I won't scream if it's too scary and he was like Kelly go to bed <laughs> and I was just like no I want to watch it so I went and made my drink I came back into the living room and I made him go back to the beginning. So he was like, fine, but, you know, if I get in trouble for this. So I sat and watched it. And that is where it all started. Six years old, watching. And how did six-year-old Kelly cope with Scream? Well, I'm nearly 32 and I ain't killed anyone yet, so. <laughs> all right, okay, that's fine. But did it... Oh, that's like, so reassuring, yes. Did, did yet, it well, terrify you? Yet. Um, Watching Drew Barrymore get gutted and hung from a tree when you're six years old, like, I mean, that does stuff to you. It's an 18th certificate. I've watched it way, 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 way over 100 times. Um, it's my comfort film <laughs> because it's something that I've watched since I was a little girl. The same with Buffy as well. The opening sequence is 13 minutes long, which is quite ironic because unlucky for <laughs> Drew Barrymore... I have always said that I think that the first, that the opening sequence of the first film could be its own horror film in its own right. Like, it's got everything going in it. It's got, like, the deserted location. She lives in the middle of nowhere. Landline phones. Parents aren't home. She's um, getting tormented by someone on the phone. At first, it's kind of, like, flirtatious. And then in seconds, it just switches Again, like the Blair Witch Project, they were genius with the marketing and promo because they put her on the front of all the posters and made you think, like, because she was, like, the most famous out of all the young actors, they made you think that Drew Barrymore was going to be the star of the film and then she gets yes. snuffed out in yeah, 13 no, minutes. It's very clever. Like, yeah. um, like Janet Lee in Psycho. Yes, yeah, exactly. But so, it's a, a riff on another film called When a Stranger Calls. Yes, Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Have you checked yeah, the children? Now, oh, I don't yes. know that. Yes. <laughs> so there's the original and then there's the remake. The remake, and the remake yeah. covers the first bit of the film only. Yeah. So the 1979 one is in three acts and the first, yeah, yeah the remake's only on the act one. Yeah. So to make you think that Drew Barrymore is going to be like the final girl um, and she just, Oh, man, I wish I could have seen that in the cinema back then. But even my brother didn't get to because he was a year too young. <laughs> yeah, young me seeing that did did stuff to my head. <laughs> so after that, seeing that, and then I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre after, I was kind of like, 
Because, eh. <laughs> <laughs> again, on no, horror. no blood in Texas Chainsaw, but there was plenty in the first Scream film. Oh, um, they ramped it up with the sequels. But um, So over the years after I first watched Scream, one of the biggest things Wes Craven did was reference other horror films. So like uh, Halloween, Friday, Elm Street, um, even like Basic Instinct, Clueless, Prom Night, The Exorcist, I Spit on Your Grave, things like that. So as I got older and I watched those films, I'd be like, oh, that's that film that gets mentioned in Scream. And yeah. then, so it was kind of like, a, ah, how, oh, how cool is that moment? just looking back now at the five, list of five films and to be honest this is yeah this this is a classic and really good horror marathon and as you say with the exception of screen there's virtually no blood in these films probably jaws as the second most when you see alex kittner in jaws that's the first kid you see quite a bit of blood in that there is um, actually yeah you know and I'll then take obviously that back. quint yeah. when he gets pulled off the the boat um, blood half. coming out of his mouth. And yeah, there's nothing in Blair Witch. You don't really see much in Halloween either. All these ones Only I the mentioned beginning are very, when he kills very tame. Yeah, yeah, but they are very effective films. Yeah, you know, Texas Chainsaw, Blair Witch, Halloween, Jaws, and Scream. They are really, really textbook and how to put a film together, how to ramp up the suspense. If we were to show those five to Neil, we could actually kill him. If you're going to try and sell horror films to someone, do it backwards from what I did. Obviously, of at not such a young age as well. But leave Scream till last. Get them to watch all the iconic ones first and then watch Scream because you'll see how creative and how genius it is because Wes Craven, he did sort of tamper with it in 1994. Two years before Scream, he did um, Wes Craven's, Craven's new nightmare. nightmare. Yeah, so he like tampered with the meta horror thing there, but then really went on board with it with Scream. I just love how passionate it is about the whole horror genre thing. I'm very obviously very passionate about the horror genre, and to see something that is still, I kind of wish it would have ended at three. My ranking for the Scream films is, first of all, one, and two, four, five, three. Four um, came out in 2011. It was one of Wes Craven's last films, or possibly his last film. Um, he's my favourite director, and I, I hate that he's not around anymore. But um, they still keep with the meta um, aspect of it. But now... It's going a bit more sort of social media, like the social media way of things. They're still referencing horror films and things like that, but the motives for the kills are getting a bit like samey now. So Neve Campbell isn't going to be in Scream 6 either. So that's kind of the end for me. Sydney Prescott was always the face of Scream for me. Yeah, she's involved with that new series, The Lincoln Lawyer. Which yeah, has found big success on Netflix, which is really good, really good series. Now she's not in it. I kind of feel like that's the whole end to Sydney's story. Woodsboro, they're not going to be in Woodsboro anymore. They're going to be in New York, I think, 
with Courtney Cox. So <laughs> it's going to be a whole bunch of new people. Personally, my screen story is over now. I'm just watching it for the fun of it now. She's my final girl. I'm really glad she's made it up to five films without getting killed. We still don't know about Laurie yet. <laughs> I mean, Laurie in Halloween Resurrection obviously got killed off, which was yeah. ridiculous, but we don't know. I mean, Halloween Ends comes out in less than a month. Is she going to be a final girl? I don't know. <laughs> if I was a betting man, I'd say she'll die. I think she's going to uh, die. Yeah. I think she's going to yeah. die. I think Michael's going to die finally. But I then think someone, both of them, yeah. Someone will make up some sort of elaborate way to bring him back to get a few bucks in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the big thing of that second film that I remember is the way it was sent up in Scary Movie. Every time I try and talk to younger people about Scream, they're like, Oh, listen, oh, listen to the old movie. Yeah, listen to yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> Oh, that oh, one. Oh, young people, they're the worst. <laughs> that oh, that one that was referenced in um, Regina Scary Hall. Movie. And I'm like... Regi yes, Regina Hall. People don't take Scream seriously anymore because of Scary Movie. And it really pisses me off. And they're like, but isn't Scream meant to be funny anyway? And I'm like, yeah, it is, but it's also not. <laughs> oh. They're, yeah, they're you, you don't laugh at the first 10 or the first 30 minutes, yeah. as you say. No, you definitely don't. And in the second one, along with that opening scene in the first film, there's two suspense scenes with the first one's with Courtney Cox. She's getting like stalked by Ghostface in that, and that's so suspenseful and so scary. And then there's another bit where Sydney and her friend are trapped in a police car trying to get out of it with Ghostface in the front, and they have to climb over him. And that's really scary. And people were just like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> like, people don't appreciate suspense or psychological things. They want in-your-face jump scares and gore and blood everywhere. And So would you recommend Scary Movie for me then? <laughs> I think scary, the Scary Movie movies are funny, but they just ripped something away from screen. <laughs> pulled, pulled it out of your heart. Oh, yeah. never mind. Yeah. But we need some answers, Kelly. Yes. So, the classic horror movie, which was originally titled The Babysitter Murders, is Halloween 1978. Also, talking about just now Scream, originally, that was going to be called Scary Movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. There we go. Halloween and Scream sound a lot better than Scary movie and the babysitter murders. Babysitter like, murders, sounds, yeah. Sounds a bit like rubbish, really, doesn't it? The second one, do you know what blood was dumped on Carrie's head at the prom? Yes. It was the pig's blood was made from corn syrup, wasn't it? Yeah. Um the name of the camp at Friday the thirteenth was Crystal Lake. Camp Crystal Lake, yeah. Um, the the room in Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of The Shining, the room he's told to stay away from is room 237. Do you want, um, do you want a bit of trivia about the twins in The Shining? Oh, God. Ugh, yeah, go on then. <laughs> uh, both of them in September queued up to see the Queen Lion in state. Really? Yeah, if you check out online, have a Google online, and you'll see they're both 53 now. You'll see both of them as they were in the queue. Were they holding hands with like those weird dresses on? 
uh, <laughs> not with the weird dressing on, they were holding hands and it was scary. <laughs> Fair enough. And then number five, what is our good old friend Norman's hobby in Psycho? Taxidermy. Taxidermy. Yeah. Yeah. Stuffing things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stuffing things, absolutely. He didn't he uh, didn't stuff his mother, did he? No, he just let her rot in the basement. No, no, he did. He did uh, do something on her because but, she but was she, but she's embalmed a, in some way. She's a like not an actual skeleton, but like a No, but it would all he he'd remove certain things, I think, from her. Oh that that whole thing with like Ed Gein and Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Silence of the Lambs, yeah. Buffalo Bill, Whoa. Ed Gein, what guy? <laughs> what Do you know um, when he was uh, when he committed these crimes and they found him? There was a young reporter on the scene. Do you know the story? Who the young reporter was? Mm, not to memory. Thomas Harris, the guy that wrote Silence of the Lambs. Huh. one of his first jobs as a reporter was covering the Ed Gein case. I yeah. wonder where he got that idea from then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, made it up. Okay. Yeah. So, very quickly, because this is our Halloween special, you said you love 80s synth horror scores. Yes. What ones would you have playing in between the films? Well, your audience, or if it was Neil, recovering from cardiac arrest. <laughs> so they'd be playing just as a light infill between movies. What would you have? I love Fright Night. <laughs> I like the um, the score in that, yeah. Oh, I do like Candyman as well. Those and I do three. like Philip Glass. What a smart man. Have you seen yeah. Candyman? No, he wouldn't have seen Candyman. I have. He hasn't. Very good. I can guarantee you it. You know, it, Philip Glass made the most expensive piece of music ever. He made, you know, when your PC starts up, those three notes are played. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. He came up with those three notes and he charged Microsoft millions for that for three notes he got so but, much money but we've got john williams with two notes which one's better yeah, he didn't, didn't make as much money on his two notes as his three <laughs> notes. Yeah. mind you john williams while we're on that subject did a brilliant uh, score for dracula in 1979 see yeah. i always still have so much to learn <laughs> yes. i ain't no horror queen really <laughs> no yes you are yeah we just lived a lot longer than you, more than double your age, Kelly. So that's and fine. you do realise that most girls of six and seven tend to watch Frozen. <laughs> uh, I I completely skipped childhood. I went from like dollies to Scream, Texas Chainsaw, then also reading Goosebumps and watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? And then when I was about twelve, that's when I started reading Stephen King. <laughs> Okay, there is no help. <laughs> um, what a show and what excellent choices. Thank you very, very much. Kelly, it has been an absolute blast. And I'm pleased to say Kelly will be joining us on the review show from time to time to give us some horror movie news. Yep, that one's for you, Neil. <laughs> uh, it's about time we had someone with knowledge giving out our film news. Oh, hang on a minute. That used to be me reading it out. What am I exactly. saying? Exactly. <laughs> um, I agree with you 100%, Jeff. Kelly, thank you so much and have a very, very happy Halloween. Thank you very, very happy much. Happy Halloween. Halloween. See you later. Bye.